Hey, bookworms, this is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with L.R. Jones. We're talking about The Wedding Party. That's a thriller that comes out on February 20th. This was such a cool conversation. I've interviewed L.R. Jones before, and it's always such an easy conversation. We talk about her experiences and with the whole eerie vibe, and especially writing about the setting. The book is set at the iconic Stanley Hotel in Colorado and she's from Colorado. So it was really cool to hear about her experiences there, what inspired the vibe, what inspired the setting of the wedding party. And we also talked about her upcoming event, Readers Take Denver, that is coming up in April and 2025 is also going to be in February. So if you guys are interested in that, definitely keep an eye out. I think there's a big wait list for it right now, but her 2024 event is coming out in April and the next one next year's is in February. I believe. But but yeah, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is L.R. Jones. Okay, so we've got L.R. Jones here. We're talking about the wedding party that comes out on February 20th. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the second thriller that I've read of yours besides You Look Beautiful Tonight. And I really enjoyed it. It was like, I'm a sucker for thrillers. And so it was really cool to just, you kept me pulled in until the very end. I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about the wedding party. And I'm happy to hear you enjoyed You Look Beautiful Tonight. You Look Beautiful Tonight <laughs> like got a stalker element to it. The wedding party is a little more like Agatha Christie type read, I think. Or, oh God, what's a TV show? I My mind is blank now. But it's a TV show that's been so popular lately. And they're out on an island at a hotel and think, oh, what is it called? I know. I watch it. I like it. I can't. <laughs> but anyway, it's very, here's a teaser of what's going to happen. And then you have all these characters and you're wondering how it gets to that, that particular part. I'll remember later and I'll have to blurt it out. <laughs> there you go. Yep. We'll be, I'll be waiting for it. So that people can follow along with the conversation. Sure. Like I said, it's very Agatha Christie. So I love it because I took a trip to the a hotel here in Colorado that's haunted, the one that Stephen King wrote The Shining at. And I, how you don't realize that fodder for the brain as a writer. So that was grueling. So to me, the, the hotel is a character in the story. But basically, an FBI uh, agent has just come off a big case that's got a lot of press and scandal. When her friend invites her to a wedding event at this hotel, which is a bachelor bachelorette party, it's great, a great escape. I get away from the press. Only that's not what it becomes because somebody dies. But what I love more about the story is not the FBI agent element, other than seeing her try to fit in with normal people because she has a hard time <laughs> with that. It's that you get at two points of view. You get the FBI agent, but you get the bride and her husband gets this box and she sees him get it and he <clears> hides <throat> the box from her. She doesn't know what's in the box. And this box with a huge part of the story, and you see a little foreshadow of it in the beginning, somebody else getting a box, somebody else ending up dead. So that box is what was my favorite part of the story. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting like tie-in for sure. An interesting way to introduce readers and funny because it kept going back to it. It's like, oh, wait, did you know about the box? And it was like, wait, what? There's a box? Like, where is it? Where is it now? It was just like a fun thing to keep going back to. What is it? What's I want to know? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea of the secret in the box and you don't know what is in that box 
who are big portion, most of the book, you don't know what is in that box and why it led to the first person, the very first scene dying and why it leads to somebody in the hotel dying. So mm. it's like the keeper of the secrets. Only ultimately, is it the keeper of the secrets? I don't know. You'll, you have to read it to find out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love stories that make you keep guessing. Oh, White um, Lotus. That's the TV show, there, right? Yes. yes. I, okay. That's hilarious because I, yes, I... <laughs> I watched that show too. We're all caught up. I'm so excited for like the third season and, 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 and keep keeping up with it, seeing how the, who's joining the cast, things like that. Yeah. That one, that for, I don't know. Cause sometimes shows the first season obviously is like great, but then the second season falls off a bit, but I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like yeah, the second season too. was definitely just as good as the first one. And it's, I don't know, just some people, some of the characters are just so outrageous. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the the main female character that was in both seasons that tied them together, I don't see how they could possibly bring her back now. Mm-mm. So it's going to be interesting to see. It should have a whole new flavor for season three. But I love that kind of mystery where they tease you and then you're trying to figure it all out. And because I, I write a lot like that, so I enjoy it. But I gobble up any kind of mystery type tv show i'm not watching that true crime now that's out on netflix and oh god i can't remember what it's called everybody's (laughs) talking about it and it's where he says that his girlfriend gets kidnapped and the people are wearing scuba gear and so i don't if you know what happens don't tell me but i'm just oh no i just i've heard of it i think i know what you're talking about i've seen i've seen like clips like previews for it i think yeah yeah, people are buzzing all around about it. And it sounds so outrageous. But I've heard people online go, you think it's so outrageous till you hear what really happened. And I'm like, oh, God, what really happened? So I'm dying to hear. But my husband keeps falling asleep at night. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to look it up if you don't stay awake. <laughs> oh, no. See, that's where, yeah, that's the the trouble you get yourself into when you're watching it with your spouse, with your partner, because then it's, we got you got to agree on it because if you're a busy woman and you're like gotten all these deadlines to meet and all these things to to plan and, and manage and everything and it's no this is my time we're gonna watch the show now this is all yeah. I have right now and then for him to just like fall asleep and you just like he I don't know at that point it's just like, just watch it on your own time like I don't <laughs> <laughs> my husband and I do the same thing about it and all that but mm-hmm. I swear we both work I mentioned to you before we started that I own and run Readers Take Denver, which has 3,000 attendees. And so he's a part of that as well. So we were just talking the other day. The whole reason we started it initially was we have a charity to help sick animals. And mm-hmm. as a writer, so those who don't know, I'm also Lisa Renee Jones is a my main writing name. So mm-hmm. I write um, romance under that name. And I my my kitty cat was always my writing partner when we lost her, we really struggled. We didn't know we could even, we didn't even know we'd like cats till we had her. <laughs> like we found her, she was a special breed cat. They were like shocked that she wasn't chipped. We tried to find the owners and then she just became our baby. She was an oriental short hair and they're very rare because of the cancer gene. So I was like, I have a lot of running friends. I've been around a long time. I know a lot of the editors and agents and such. And it seems like the logical thing to do to make money for the charity would be a signing. But I'm I come from the corporate world. I owned a very large staffing business and 
once it got started, I'm like, authors and people in the business need a place to go to have resources. I want readers to have an all genre event. And then, oh my gosh, why doesn't international deal making for books happen in the United States? And the next thing I know, I've turned it into this gigantic thing. And I... I'm like, what was I doing? So my husband and I were talking about TV the other night. And we're like, when you were just writing, Lisa, <laughs> it was so much easier to watch our shows. But now <laughs> it's just sun up to sundown. Getting so I have to forgive him for falling asleep because we've been working so crazy. And as it gets closer to, we're not, we're less than ninety days to the event, and it gets even more busy. But and I thought last year because it was our first year that the month after we'd be like, everybody take a nap. Just go. But that's not how it worked. The first month after was super, everybody talking about it, that kind of thing. It wasn't until a month later. So we're all planning to take the nap a month later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was like, just schedule your, your alone time, schedule your meantime, schedule your naps. I love that. You do what yeah. you got to do. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a, we're a character in, in the show, Ted Lasso. Where oh, I love Ted she, Lasso. Yeah, where Keely, she was like, had owning her own, like running her own PR firm. And she accidentally double booked like a lunch date with Rebecca for with her crying time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, we decided we have to take, well, we were supposed to take a trip to Sonoma for our wedding anniversary. And the event was just so crazy. We couldn't, we're like, we're going to book it for after the event. Because it's like our wedding anniversary came and went. I can't begin to explain how much it's changed our lives. I, I don't know what I was thinking. No, I am. I am. I love it. But there are times I do have those moments where I say, God, what was I thinking? Just living in my little writer's corner was great. But there's a corporate side of me that really mm. loves this part of it. I'm excited for one thing that's not around a lot. Speaking of thrillers, we are now as a place for readers to really connect with thriller authors. This year we have Mark Greeny is coming and Netflix agreed to let us show The Gray Man. And we're trying to do a lot of fun things for thriller readers. So it's very much a whole weekend event where next year, a lot of the big name thriller writers will be in and we'll have, we do a lot of reader geared things. Yes, there's a side for authors, but there's a whole reader side. So after they can listen to them talk do little mini signings after, have special events that they're a part of, like the Mark Greeny thing. There's just nothing much like that for thriller authors. There are just craft festivals that might have a two-hour signing to the public. But mm. nothing where they come and spend a weekend, say, Andrew Child, and talk about Reacher, which I'm working on. Come on, we just watched Reacher. We want to talk about Reacher. Why? What does he do about a shower? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I ever think. I love the show. I love the books, but I'm always like, and how does he find clothes to fit him? He's so big. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're like, is this a loophole or is this something that we're just supposed to assume that he figures out like all the time? <laughs> but I, I love Reacher and I love the show and I love the books. So yeah, yeah no, a lot of fun. He, the Andrew and his brother are both Lee. Obviously Lee started it. Amazing writers. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've just heard like all the, he's, the actor who plays him is like the new hotness. Like he's the women are just like all about him right now. And I'm like, I've seen clips of it. And so I'm like, ah, I get it. Like, <laughs> I get them for the sure. And always has his family with him. He's, I oh. read an article about him. Such a nice guy got turned down for the part initially because he was too small and had to oh. be five. But it's, I, I always love hearing the family man story. So all the women can swoon over him, but he's got his yeah. woman at home. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> so yeah, I'm really, uh, that's really exciting about your event. Cause I imagine when you first started it, you probably had, you didn't expect it to be, to grow into something so huge and far reaching. Right. Cause I'm, I know, I think I've, I've looked at the list of confirmed authors and, or people who are attending and there's a lot, you've got a lot of names, published authors coming around and that's, that's crazy. This, how long, yeah. How long have you been doing this now then? This is only the second year. So the, what? I was just very, yeah, I'm very lucky. I have been in the business a long time. I started publishing, God, I think my first book was with Harlequin, which was just romance at the time, 2007. No, and when I wrote romance for category romance, they used to tell me, you have to stop trying to kill people, Lisa. <laughs> so I was always meant to be a thriller writer. But yeah, my editors, can I negotiate that you only kill one person? <laughs> like, okay, yes, I'll be better. But <clears throat> But yeah, so I've been publishing a long time. I've published with most of the houses. I know a lot of the authors. So I, it was easy for me to just say, hey, favor, will you come? So the first year we had about 900 people. This year we'll have over 3,000. But because we're looking to bring in the international side of the event, which is basically when a publisher publishes a book, they usually go to London or Germany and they say, hey, here's our new catalog. We want to sell across the world and the whole world's come to those places. We want them to all come to Denver. What is 3,000 people now could be tens of thousands a few years from now. So we're pretty excited about it. As I said, I'm not good at doing things small. And it, <laughs> it remarkably, it's been translated very well to what I did before, which was I owned a very large staffing business. And I worked with a lot of CEOs, CFOs, and then I had a lot of job sites to manage. So I look at it like this, my publishers, my authors, my readers, they're all job sites. <laughs> Everybody needs to be taken care of in a different way. And I need to customize that for them. And my goal is every time that readers come and they have such an amazing experience, they can't wait to come back the next year. Mm. And um, so that's what we're trying to create. And I want authors to feel that way too, because obviously the way we make our readers happy is to have our authors have a great time and want to come back. But yeah, we have a great list of authors and we're just, we're about to launch 25 registration, which we're having to do a raffle for because we have so many on the wait list. So mm. basically we'll send out that to the first so many raffled and we haven't even begun to even start thriller day or thriller weekend side of things. So we're pumped about it. I, like I said, I love the idea of, as I, with releasing the wedding party, I'm like, wouldn't it be so cool to have an event like my event to go to and talk about the wedding party? And so now I can't. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so exciting. That's really fun. Yeah. Because so yeah, something I want to tap into because of the hotel, <clears throat> that the it was that the environment the setting that was uh, taking place I it was really I was telling you how I, I visited my brother who lives in the Denver area back in October like the end of October and oh, Halloween he, yeah it was Halloween weekend and then we did did a day at the Rocky Mountains but then that is the day that it just I don't know if snowed like six inches within one day. It was super right? early I, this year. It was crazy weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we were already up there, like in the mountains in the middle of the hike and it just kept coming down. Like we're here. So we're not gonna. We're going to, we're here. This is what we're doing today. We're not going to try to do this tomorrow. We're going to do this today. And I think it took us like an hour, the, between me and my brother and my sister, it took an hour for us to just do one mile. And we're like, okay, let's just turn around now. Let's go back. It was hard to walk in too. It's very it People don't realize it's a little bit like sand in your bare feet, but worse. 
Mm-hmm. It's a good workout though. You got a good workout at that mile. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that was the goal too. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dress up in my workout clothes and my gear. But then I was like, oh man, I should have just double layered with leggings and jeans or something because my workout clothes they got they just got so heavy with all like the snow chunks. The and snow, I was like, yeah. if yeah, if I was wearing like leggings, maybe that would have avoid I could have avoided some of that. But it was still yeah, it was like really cool and it was so beautiful and eerie and just it, it definitely added snow to the eerie, the scenery like and and yeah. Yeah, snow makes everything quiet. It's it was so crazy because it, it's just mountains and like you forget, like you're walking up the trail and you're like, no, like we're in the mountains right now. We're like this is Earth, <laughs> and it was you just know, a funny thing to it, acknowledge. When you talked about it being heavy, I laugh because I see in these movies they'll have the fake snow and it just fluttering in people's hair. No, it's like rain. <laughs> yeah, it's like get drenched. <laughs> yeah, did you get and wet? Up- at that yeah yes yes I did (laughs) at that altitude too it it becomes a bit much as well I don't know if it's because I'm like in the Chicago area and so when we get snow it's I don't know it's all over the place sometimes it's light and fluffy other times it's like gross and sleety and wet yeah yeah and but I just remember thinking like I, I, it, it was something I forgot about. Oh, the altitude is so much different here. And But yes. I, it was just beautiful because it was just like city, but then you have like the backdrop of mountains. And the mountains. Yeah. I know the mountains. Sometimes I still walk outside and I look at the mountains and go, oh, this is where I live. Yeah. I, I came from Texas and it's very different. The low altitude makes cold feel much colder. And I try and tell people like that coming to the event, unless we drop down into the twenties and we have brutal, or we have just really brutal wind, which can be anywhere. I have literally been out in the snow in shorts. It will feel very warm. I love the days that it feels like warm during the snow, but when people come in for the event, we still have oxygen for them and IV services and stuff like that. But because the altitude change, people don't realize that will affect you because if you're used to be at a low level and you come up to a higher level, you get dehydrated fast. But, but yeah, it feels really warm. I love that about here. So when I went back home to Texas after moving here, I was froze my backside off because I'm like, oh my God, how is it so cold here? And how did I think it was going to be colder in Colorado? Because it's not. That's yeah. what people don't know. But but yeah, speaking of the, so the hotel in the book is the Stanley Hotel. And um, it really is haunted. So my husband's obsessed with that. There's a couple <laughs> of the rooms and I put them in the book. That one has a cowboy that stands at the end of the bed. And just there's one that has like a pervert in it who like gropes women. And I'm like, make sure we're not in that room, please. And just but still, I think the cowboy's weird, too. When many people say they wake up and he's just standing there staring at them. Um, Yeah, yeah, that would terrify me. I don't know. I'm like kind of I'm like a scaredy cat and I don't like being scared. If I watch a horror movie, I have to be in the mood for it. I just it's not my first choice at all ever. So I'm just no. And and even so, it's it's not like I don't believe in ghosts. I'm just you know what? I'm if as long as they're cool, I'm cool. I'm not I'm going to mind my own business. I'm not going to bother you. You could chill here. I'm not going to. I do believe I didn't have anything happen to me when I was there. But a friend of mine was there and she, there's this particular spot where people's hair go flying up and it happened to her. And she, oh my God, you just missed it. This happened to me. And I'm like, I've heard about that, but it's on the grand stairwell. So I put a lot of those little stories in the book, but also though the book itself is not paranormal at all. Right. I think it's fun the way somebody goes into a hotel that they're told is haunted and whether they believe it is or not. There's this element of something eerie that just comes from the fact that it's supposed to be haunted. 
I tend to think it is. It's very old. The hotel itself seems old when you're in it, but not in a bad way. But you feel that it's old. But I was on a bus tour, a book tour for a series I had years back. And we stopped at a hotel. I'm from Austin, but it just happened to be in Austin. And this hotel downstairs, downtown is known to be haunted. And so while we were in there, some people, we were in the lobby waiting to go up to all go to our rooms. We were exhausted. This dog just starts looking at the air and starts barking, going nuts. And I'm like, okay, I was already scared in this hotel. And then I, <laughs> it's very late because the bus tour was just taking us all kinds of crazy places to late. I get up to my hallway and all of a sudden this it's like something out of a horror movie. This elderly man comes out of a closet. Just It's two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh my God, are you real? Or are you like, who are you? What are you? And I slept with the lights on that night. So, so I think maybe because I'd experienced that at that hotel, the Stanley made me a little bit more tripped out than it might have. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. I would have been <laughs> right there. No, I can't. I, yeah, I would not have been able to sleep either. That just, that sounds horrifying for sure. I don't know, because I haven't, it's like with aliens okay I haven't seen anything that like proves they don't exist I don't know it's but it's like at this point I'm not I don't need to go but everybody's certainly talking about them aren't they there was uh, one yeah. that, where was it Miami or somewhere where they recorded some creature that was and I was like what was that I don't know and the police said I listened to the police thing about this and he said at present there are no aliens in Miami and I went at present right like, actual police say that I'm like that whole thing was bizarre I don't think we have any idea what really happened but it was yeah. all over social media and I was just like wow this alien thing's gone nuts lately I know I remember just seeing clips of the I think like it's like a senate committee hearing or something where someone kind of like a whistleblower about biological like organic material or something that was found and and I just the memes on social media was like I, I loved every second of it because people are straight up, okay, it's 2023. We're finding out that aliens are real and nobody like batted in an eyelash. <laughs> it was just I like. Know, that's the thing that's so weird, right? <laughs> that none of us, that's how desensitized to everything we are now. Oh. Yeah. And then it's I hear, yeah, I like, I read a tweet that said, if aliens are real, I'm not paying back my student loans. I don't care. <laughs> There you go. I don't I'm think like, that's the kind of content I'm here for. Just screw it. Just who cares? If you think about it in the big picture, this whole big universe, it's logically, I know in my mind that it makes sense that we would not be alone, but mm. I can't get my head around that as an actual premise, maybe because we've mocked it for so many years. Yeah. Yeah, Even there's been so much like sci-fi out there. Yeah. Like we all maybe have our own general idea based on like pop culture or whatever. And so it's hard. I think even just like the size of the universe, like the like how many galaxies are out there. It's really difficult for the human brain to like capture, yeah. to conceptualize, to really understand like this pick. Like it's like with the technology of NASA's image capturing, like we see it's just getting so much better and better. And I'm even seeing like a picture of like beautiful stars and swirls and collections of like clusters of of star material but even then it's you look it up it's like a picture but it's really hard for the human brain to like process no that's actually like billions of stars there that's actually yeah. a whole nother galaxy or that's totally like a whole nother crap bunch of new other planets and we will probably never be able to reach that in, yeah. in anybody's lifetime but we don't even understand 
our own brain, let alone what's under our yeah. own sea. So to think about another galaxy, but we can't even figure out how the pyramids were built. There's always been all kinds of rumors. Could it have been aliens? But then where did the aliens go? Right. <laughs> I mean, why did they did, just leave us? Did they, they just come to build something and then they left? I don't know. I know that makes no sense at all. I don't know. I, I think they're very interesting though, the pyramids, but I'd love to put that in a book at some point. How do you put something like, I think you have to do it as an archaeologist who suddenly yeah. has murder in the air. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you could figure it out. You had that itch that you had to scratch. With The first is like the romance side and the thriller side. Like, how did you get into that headspace? Like, is it like, does, is it really challenging to switch back and forth? Do you approach it the same way or kind of any well, big lessons learned from the first thriller book that you wrote? It's really not my first. So like my Inside Out series, which is romance, but it's a thriller as well, okay. has been optioned to stars, to Paramount, just all over Hollywood. And it's in essence a thriller. She finds a journal in a storage unit. She starts reading the person's story. She starts living their life. And then you can assume she's probably dead and she's getting involved with all these people that she was involved with. So I've really been writing thrillers most of my career. We just, there was a romantic element to that, that made it classified as a romance. But I, most of my stories have always had a thriller component. As I said, even when I tried to write straight romance, they were like, stop killing people. So <laughs> it's always been that way for me. But it was fun for me to take it and just say, I'm going to be a straight thriller, no rom romantic element. I did, but the first book, the first couple of books I wrote that were straight thrillers, I kept Lisa Renee Jones. The poet is a serial killer who stuck poems in the victim's mouth and it couldn't be more straight thriller, no romance, but it was still under Lisa Renee Jones. So mm -hmm. it wasn't um, until I moved over to this publisher, I, I honestly wanted to switch names because what happened with the poet was, I was so known for romance that Prince and Noble put a poet in romance. Oh, and okay. I was like, oh, no, my you didn't read the book. <laughs> yeah, literally, not an inch, not just a stitch of romance in that book. It was very procedural. It was definitely not romance. And I'm like, that's not the way to make my readers happy on either side. So that's when this publisher said, you you got to change your name because it's. Uh, it's a problem. I'm like, I tried to tell everybody that. I was worried about that. Plus, let's just face it. My husband's at the top of the list. Male readers don't always want to read female writers. Mm -hmm. and, and particularly if they Google their name and a bunch of romances come up. So I, I was always concerned about that. And I also felt like readers just need to definitively know if they read L.R. Jones, they're getting a thriller. If they read Lisa Renee Jones, they're getting a romance. And I, I'm going to have a fantasy coming out probably under another pen name. I've been talking with the publisher about that because I just, I need people to be able to distinguish, even though the names are hard to manage, it's much easier for the reader. It's okay if it's harder for me. Mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point where you'd have to, yeah. Cause if, if you, you could turn readers off if they're a little confused. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. The genre splitting aspect of it. I want to talk about, cause this one is in, you did the dual points of view and Carrie, she's a bit of an unreliable narrator. So how did you like approach that? And was it, I don't know if your other, you have done dual POVs before. How did you approach that? What was different about it? What was, I just want to explore that a little bit. When you do dual point of view, it's actually harder to hide things from 
the um, reader. But I like that. It's a challenge for me. And the great thing about a dual point of view is you can actually create some mystery behind both characters. I, one of the things I liked about Carrie and Andy, the characters, is that you can see that they're such different people, but there's little pieces of their life that twine together and have similar similarities. Can the way the one character is a little unreliable and those things make the other one seem a little bit more unreliable as well. And so I enjoy the dual point of view. I have, like in the poet, I wrote the killer's point of view too. I enjoyed doing that, but that was pretty simple other than you knew what his point of view was to kill people and why. But the thing that's tricky about that is all the clues that lead to who is the person in the story who's actually really the poet. So it's the same here, but you just have to be careful about what you give out when you're in their point of view, because you think in their point of view, or they're just going to say, oh, I killed him. So that's what's tricky is to make sure that the reader never knows if they did or they did not. And you assume one of the people in the point of view is going to be the bad guy, but what if they're not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was like, I could definitely see how that would have been challenging because you have to read the lead, lead the reader on, but at the same time, it's like, how do you find that sweet spot? How do you toe the line of, you know, making sure everything flows, making sure there's no loopholes, making sure there are plot holes or whatever, making sure everything in sequential order or not makes sense. And yeah. you make the choices that you do for those like plot devices or tell storytelling for sure. As a reader for myself, it definitely made it more interesting and more engaging because I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? I was like, okay, wait, where was she? But that's part of the experience. That's like part of the fun for sure. And then hopping off of that, what were the most challenging parts to write? And then what were like the most enjoyable parts to write? Mm -hmm. I really enjoy the two points of view because it's I'm seeing everything from two different people's view, just like the reader. So I really enjoy that because I think it gives more depth to the story because they're seeing different pieces of the puzzle. Whereas when you write one point of view, which I write a lot of one point of view, like Inside Out was one point of view because I wanted people never to know who was the bad guy to her. But when you're seeing it from two different points of view, you get a much broader picture of the story because they're in different places at different times seeing things in different ways as mm -hmm. you suspect readers will too because they'll all have different I'm always shocked at the ways re different readers come at me after they've read the story oh Lisa I thought of this and this and I'm like I didn't think of that but that's really cool that you thought of that I'm like why didn't I think of that but it's so cool you did I always yeah. think that that's fun to hear from readers and hear where their head was um so when I say come at me, I just mean their point of view. It's fun to hear it. But yeah, but as far as the most challenging, the most challenging is always how to get people to be in shocked at the end and lead them to the, that and have them go, oh God, she told, she gave me lots of clues to that. I should have known, but somehow she tricked me into thinking that it wasn't that person. Because <laughs> I had somebody DM me who was reading it and said, oh, I still like the person. Is it bad that I still like the person that did it? <laughs> And I'm like, no, it makes me feel really great as a writer. Because that's what I was going to say to my editor told me. She said, if you can make people relate to or like the person that's the bad guy, then their mind is blown. Plus, they also like, no, it can't be because they remind me of me. So, <laughs> or they remind me of somebody close to me. So when I got that email, I was like, oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's a little reassuring where you're like, okay, cool. Like I did this really well. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, just the character development and really getting people to empathize 
with the accused or whatever or the because there's a number of suspects and there's a number of motives because Andy's just trying to figure it out and she and didn't she never wanted to be there figuring out no. she just wanted a break <laughs> she wasn't trying to have another case on her hands she, she was... <laughs> so I like to in this case you got to see Andy as a human being she wasn't there as an FBI agent but she couldn't help herself but notice these weird things before everything went down but it was just like oh I have to do this. And of course she wants to, because that's who she is as a human being. That's what she's right. motivated about. In fact, for her, sinking back into the case was easy because she has a hard time socializing with people because she spends so much time dealing with murder and dead bodies and things like that. So she, I just, I think you don't often get to see the, in a lot of cases, especially those that are procedural, you don't get to see them as human beings. But there is a hint of procedural in this book. But I don't think it's that procedural. The mm -hmm. poet was procedural. It was all killer, hunt, killer, hunt. In this case, again, she went for a vacation. She didn't go for this. Yeah. <laughs> she, and then, yeah, and even she can't help but observe people too. Like she can't help but, like you said, notice things about people. And one of those was like, I just remember her being, I should have lied about my, about lied to people here about what I do. Cause then yeah. she sees it like, Oh, you're an FBI agent. What? And then, but then it's, Oh, who's uncomfortable with that or yeah. who, who's morbidly fascinated by that. It's like who and why. So that, yeah. I thought that was another neat thing about her character and how that kind of her role and her profession in has what kind of effect it has on the other characters. Cause it is, it, I don't know. I don't know if I would be worried if I was hanging out with an FBI agent, but at the same time, I'd be like, I'd probably pick their brain. What's something that you would notice? What's this or what's yeah. what's going on about that? It's trying to teach so, me um, something. But no, I'm writing a true crime about a case here in Colorado, and it's it's gotten some Hollywood action, so I'm excited about it. But one of the, I know an ex-homicide detective who knew a lot of the people involved in the case, but he, I ask him, I said in pictures, because we have a house we use in Airbnb in the summer. And I'm like, there's like literally this hole over the bed. And I said, I know what your first thought is, except nobody could get up that high. And he knew me. And I kept going, what, how did they do that? And he said, they had a fight and somebody threw something, Lisa. I'm like, they have just this way of thinking that I'm going, I, maybe it's a romance writer in me. I'm thinking sex, but no, that would right. take some real acrobatics. <laughs> and he's, no, somebody threw something. And I'm like, oh, why did they do that? Oh, Airbnb is a pain. I need to write a, I'll tell you, I, I had inspiration to write a thriller about an Airbnb because the one of the first, we bought the house and it was not supposed to be an Airbnb, but we inherited all these bookings and we're like, oh, the house had a few hidden problems. We'll just do Airbnb to the tax write off to fix them. So we walk in and the maids were like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what they did. And I'm like, what? They were like, there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, okay. My first thought was a woman, monthly. No, it was walls in two bedrooms, a ring in a bathtub all over one of the beds. And I'm like, what, what is happening? <laughs> like the ring in the bathtub was what really, it was yeah. a master bath garden tub, right? Um, and why wouldn't they clean it up? Like yeah. the bathroom, you could use. And so while we're racing, cause there's another tenant that afternoon, the husband calls and he's like, Oh, I had a nosebleed. I meant to tell you, okay. A nosebleed, but you sat in the bathtub and bled out. Was there a sacrifice a murder? We ended up deciding that he had two teenage daughters. Maybe one of them had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. and he, it was panic and they left 
I just, I can't come up with anything other than like a sacrifice. I can't <laughs> miscarriage or sacrifice. I don't know. But I'm like, yeah, I've been saying I need to write a story wrapped around an Airbnb because after that story, I mean, wild. It's weird. And you hear all And the there's stories. that still that that mystery element about it. Like what possibilities? <laughs> yeah, what really happened and what, how could that have spiraled? And I kept thinking that's going to come back at some point. It never has. It's a year later. But I was like, oh, welcome to the Airbnb business. Why did we agree to do that? And now I've said that so many times. It's, but yeah, I, I think that that's where, again, the setting can be such a part of the story. Because in my mind, when I was writing The Wedding Party, the Stanley was a character in a in and of itself mm-hmm. because so much of its its presence, the way that it's haunted the history. Stephen King's past there. He wrote part of the shining in one of those they do little shining tours there, that kind of thing. And just how secluded it is up in the mountains. And it becomes a part of an identity that takes part in the story, where one of the characters goes and runs to hide, things like that was Mm. all part of, and ultimately, there's all kinds of little parts of the story I can't really say without giving things away that lead to how the crime's solved. It's all related to if that hotel wasn't that hotel, some of the ways the crime got solved would not have been solved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know it, that is super cool to find a way to make it like worth where it's like the backdrop, but it's still the setting is like really important. It's not just like yeah. an environment. It's almost, I don't want, for lack of better words, maybe somewhat interactive. It's still, oh, it's I like a participant. So yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't feel that I don't feel that often. I feel that I think setting is important. I think as a reader, we all want to travel to a new place by going and, you know, reading the story. I know inside out, I keep bringing it up, but it's just such a part of my life. And I, part of it takes place in um, Italy and part of it takes place in France. And Mm. I remember I wrote one of the, there's a few books in the series, but I wrote one of the books without going to the city. (laughs) That was such a mistake. I had to (laughs) backtrack and try and fix it in other books. But I think that we want to be, be as accurate and bring that travel experience to readers but ultimately, it's about the characters in the story. But in this case with the Stanley, I think that the hotel almost felt like it was a part of, it was like a character in the book, which is, I can't even say in my own work, that's very often. But in this case, I felt like the Stan- Stanley had its own identity. Yeah, it's iconic, right? It's a historic. Oh, it is. Like yeah. landmark, pretty much. It's You can't help but yeah, it's funny because when I read the book after I finished this book after I'd already visited my brother. And so I was like, because he did, he pointed it out when we were driving by it. He was like, oh, there it is. And I, and I was looked at it. I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> yep, certainly there it the is. Of so many mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so cool. yeah. Yeah. But it is very recognizable once you know what it looks like. You're just, you could pick it out easily. So just a couple more questions before we wrap up here. What? Eh. Yeah, I'll ask. The, I'll ask it either way. <laughs> what advice would you give to Andy? Oh, probably don't listen to your father as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, her father's a good guy. He is. He is a good guy. He's but, got a little uh, carried away. <laughs> yeah, he gets a little carried away. Okay, so L.R. Jones, what is next for you? Are you working on anything? We know you're working on your crazy event. Are you working on any more books that you can talk about? Yeah, always. No, I have another thriller that I'm working on. And I have a true crime that I'm working on. So I'm super excited about that. That's been a much more intense process than I ever thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I interviewed the mother of the victim. I That was... 
I cried mm -hmm. out, it was really emotional. And I'm shocked to hear how much stuff wasn't in the court documents that oh. I heard from her and reasons why that it wasn't there, things that happened. And uh, yeah, that's been, I've never experienced what I experienced I mean, as a parent when somebody is yeah is brutally murdered to actually be there hearing them talk about the story has been quite an, an experience yeah it's really hard to articulate it's just it's heartbreaking and you can't imagine like what and and just not no, even just I, the experience itself but then the aftermath and having to go through all that and reliving oh, all the aftermath in this case yeah. became so high profile I actually went to court and I remember seeing these two people's exchange um and thinking Okay, they were involved in it together and thinking that oh, the, the police will figure that out. But, and they probably they did, but one of the people claimed the fifth and got off. So that's part of what made me so passionate about continuing on with it is there were a couple people involved that never had justice done. So I, I feel passionate about it because I feel like they need to pay because anybody who'll yeah. do the brutal things that happened to this woman, they have it in them again. And so I feel, I think at every level of your career, especially when you've been writing as long as I am, you find new ways to be passionate about what you're doing. And I love thrillers. And this is, I don't know that I have the energy to do and role did and write about this kind of brutality all the time, because it makes you kind of question humanity, especially yeah. when you see people like in this case where there could have been law enforcement involved that you go, oh, I don't like to think that really is real. But mm -hmm. in some ways, I think that you help other people when you make those things real because you, you remind them that you have to be alert and you have to be aware. And often monsters are right there underneath your, wow. uh, yeah, your view. Yeah. And even like as a mom, I'm like, what what can I do to make sure my kids value human life, right? Make sure they have a good upbringing. And because I... Obviously, there's so many studies out there and trends that people notice of like commonalities or traits of serial killers or people who maybe not serial killers, people who murder. And it's a lot of it is it's like things that in their like childhood behaviors that where I'm like, OK, I just want to make sure I, I, I'm aware of these things, like looking at it one way, keep be aware of your surroundings, <clears throat> not like be don't look at the world with rose colored glasses and be just be vigilant about it but then also what do you understand like what an appropriate outlet is versus an inappropriate outlet is what's what yeah it's like why do killers kill I, there's you know, several the reasons thing, right it's, so many of them come off like such charming people though yeah. and this guy was no different though if you dig in deep you can find little things that told the story in this case he beat his cattle dogs that didn't perform well to death. And the victim knew that, but she was already so in love with him. It just didn't click with her that this was a problem. I'm like, how was that not a click? That was right. a problem. But like, that's I'm definitely just, like the biggest red flag ever for me. Yeah. Like yeah, animals, animal abuse is a big thing. But yeah. so many times you hear all these stories and you read the stories about they came across as being so amazing. And there are women who are married, like the Golden State Killer, he was married for years and years. And I don't know if you've listened to that audio book, but it's a really scary so well. Was and it the one with Michelle McNamara? I think I did listen to that one. Paul, oh. Paul, oh, I can't remember his last name. He lives here in Springs. He, 
He's the detective. Paul, who solved that case, the FBI agent, was actually an RPF Changs when he got the word that he solved it. And they did it through some DNA stuff. But it had gone on for years. The thing about that story that was so scary to me was the lack of sharing between police departments that actually, yes. yes, that if they had been gracious to each other and shared information, he would have been caught years before, but also he was a police officer. And I think that's incredibly scary because we usually teach people to, but my mom did tell me when I was a kid, if a police officer tries to pull you over to go to a lit place, if, even if you have to yeah. call 911 and say, I'm not pulling over in this deserted area. So I think my mom did a good job of teaching me that. You never know if, no matter how smart you are, how much you've been taught, if you'll feel safe in the situation when you perhaps should not have, and then you end up with a monster. And, and that's what's so scary. And that's what's harder about writing true crime. You're writing about real monsters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you can go down another rabbit hole, like approaching, like your mom probably had a, because you're a woman, you were a girl. She had a, she had to be more on top of teaching you those certain things to look out for, just to watch out for yourself as a woman versus if she would have, what information she would have shared with a son. Yeah. But there's women killers too. It's like, yeah. I have murderers who targeted men. Absolutely. Oh, oh God. Who was the famous serial killer? They just did this special on him. My mind is like, see, I can't remember anybody's name right now, but he, it was all men. John Wayne Gacy. I know he was targeting. I think it was, it was also, Oh God, who was the one that we were just, there was just a special on, but I, I, there's a lot of them. Men don't realize sometimes that they can be as much of a victim as a female can but oh, it's just, yeah, it's scary. So it's, we read our thriller novels and we watch our horror movies and that kind of thing. And it seems so removed, but it's not really. Yeah. And I think true crime, true crime as a genre in general is definitely has gained popularity for sure. And I don't know, it's like, what's with like our morbid curiosity with it? What's that fascination? I don't know if it's just a way to, because it's so out there and it's so unbelievable. Like, why do people do this? Why do, how, and then what leads up to that? And it's just... Maybe it, it helps us feel like if we hear those true crime stories that we could identify it. Because I know I, I was talking to somebody recently that had something going on that I just happened to come in her life. And I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like you're one of the true crime shows I've watched. You need to take this seriously. I know I don't know you that well, but this situation you're telling me about. And I think that we tend to not say that, though. We tend to think, oh, it's not real because it's not on the true crime TV show. But it actually can be very much real and that's so i think that true crime it's the actuality of it that makes the fascination but we host a two-hour true crime event at the convention where some of our authors that have been in law enforcement actually act out the a, a real true crime that they a real crime that they had been a part of the audience gets to like interview people we have playing the witnesses and they get to try and solve it and Oh my God, it's wildly popular because people are obsessed with true crime. Even people who don't read thrillers are obsessed with true crime. So mm -hmm. that it's fun to see. When it ended last year, people did not want it to end. They were like, we want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's a very popular event for a reason. So to your point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll be really fascinating. And I'll be really curious to see how you grow and how you approach it and how you grow as an author. Like, Someone who's so experienced, so many published works, and then to try this out, uh, 
step out of your comfort zone a little bit. That would be really cool to see how that turns out. It was hard. Mm -hmm. I When I wrote the beginning chapters of it, I wanted to do it like her story, but you can't pretend to actually know what's in her head. Mm -hmm. I only know what I'd been told by family and witnesses. So you have to be very careful not to turn it into a work of fiction. But I also think getting into their victim's head and where they were at helps tell the story. And also, why would the victim allow themselves to get in that position too? And it's usually always coming back to trust, which which ties back to our thriller thrillers that we love to read too. If the victim trusts the wrong person, there's always an element of reality in our fiction too. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It's where you, without trying to be derivative, right? But it's there's definitely the influence there for sure. Yes. But yeah. LR Jones, where can we find you online and on social media? My name is Lisa Renee Jones on socials, but it says slash LR Jones. So you can find me there <laughs> and my website, Lisa Renee Jones, but there's also lrjones.com. Perfect. So the wedding party that comes out on February 20th, thank you so much. It's always a, a great time chatting and picking your brain and seeing where, where you go with your new writing endeavors and feel free to reach back out, come back for another chat when you've got more works under your belt. Thank you so much. And there you go. That was L.R. Jones talking about The Wedding Party. That book um, comes out on February 20th. Uh, also keep an eye out for uh, Readers Take Denver event that um, is happening this year in April and also to keep an eye out for next year in February. Um, check out the show notes where you can purchase the book and find her online and on social media. Also uh, where you can check out the Readers Take Denver event. Uh, while you're looking online on social media, please find Cantina Book Club and give us a follow as well. And if you're looking for books, new books to read, add to your uh, reading list, go ahead and check out my book re reviews on cantinabookclub.com. If you're interested in exclusive access, early access uh, to content and um, free bookmarks, and even submit a question to an author, an upcoming guest, uh, please do go ahead and check out the Patreon um, subscription options. Uh, it really does help out the work that I'm doing here, and it helps me uh, connect you guys with more authors. Um, but either way, as always, thank you guys so much for listening.